Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is not leaving two months early with $24 million in the back pocket. I'm Scott Phillips. He is Andrew Page. He's, of course, the founder, the managing director, the chief cook and bottle washer, because I haven't given you that one in a while, of strawman.com, which is a... Um, a uh... Andrew, what, what, what's Strawman? It's, a, it's an online private investment club. Is it or is it a um, private online investment club? But, but it can be nothing if you want to pay me $24 million and sail <laughs> off into the sunset. I'll, I'll even do it. I'll even do it right now. <laughs> That's right. Just sign the check and hand it over and I'm out of here. I'm gone. Oh, yeah. mate. Uh, yes, it was a big, big week in, in corporate Australia. How, how are you, mate, by the way? Let's make it out. You rather than making it about Alan Joyce for a second. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. So we we touched on this last week where we knew what was going to happen, which was sort of, you know, busier than you can imagine with <laughs> results flying left, right and centre. And then August ends, yeah. I was like, Oh. You don't love me anymore. No one talks to well, me. Exactly. Oh, there's, not, there's no news. Yeah. So it's sort so of, true, I'm, hey? I'm in that sort of phase where I feel I sort of yeah. wake up with an urgency every morning and go, oh. <laughs> check the email, okay. still nothing, still nothing. Yeah. A little bit of extra time. It's, it's lovely, to be honest. It's lovely. It and as I said, I, all, I, did, I did, I have a better frame of mind this time around, as I said, yep. which, which was trying to, um, remind myself that there is no urgency, yeah. and so I'm actually I'm actually still going through a bunch of results, but at my at my own pace, yeah. and and it's it's lovely, but it is yeah, it is it's just funny how how quickly we pivot from feast to famine. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, it's um oh, yeah same. Uh, you know what? So what we've done uh, with some of the services I run at the Motley Fool is we're actually. We kind of put the earnings announcements out in our summary of them and, and we kind of you know, do that. So members know what's going on because, you know, sometimes a vacuum can feel disconcerting. But we've only just started uh, recording this on the 7th of September. We only started yesterday going back through the scorecard and just trying to really get into the uh, just the nuts and bolts of, of what happened and, and kind of reevaluate. And just with the cold, a bit of a cold light of day, uh, yep. you know, going back slowly and saying, right, let's actually go and look at the more interesting ones and see what happens there. And I, I want to say too, and, and without yeah. without that without that reference to oh the share price is down right or, or, right. or up, so on therefore the day. I should have a view or make a make a decision. And that's yes. the other thing I want to, I was going to say though, mate. Is I, I wanted to. Some people will hear me say that and say, "Hey, um, that's not you know that's not a reasonable approach because you need to be able to respond to what's going on." But if but you know early bird catches the worm, if you're doing it a month or a day or a week afterwards then you know, you're know missing the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And people see the share price move, as you said. It's mm. very, very rare, though, that a share price moves after giving you uh, an even pause to do, just have a really good think and then sell it or buy at the previous price before the market starts to react and respond. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the premise of, of high-frequency trading. I'll go to traders that trade at you know, 10, 10 o'clock you know, and one second to pass when the orders go in. These mm. share prices rarely go up very, very slowly and slightly as people slowly digest, digest the news. Yep. By the time the market's open, if there's something big, it's already in the price. And I think yep. that I just want to remind people of that because, uh, by the way, I think some of my members occasionally think we have superpowers. How did you guys not know that? Because well, we don't, we're not privy to inside information. If we were, we'd go to jail. So guess what? No, we, yeah, we knew as little as you guys did. This is about us understanding the business and its future, not about what the result will be when it comes out and shocks the market in a good or bad way. Um, yeah. So, you know, just, just a reminder that you don't have to respond quickly because generally speaking, even though the price, so we say, oh, it's up 10% on the day. You say, oh, I wish I'd bought earlier. You very rarely get the chance because it opens. The first trade is normally somewhere 6, 7, 8, 9% higher already. 
Um, yeah. So there's no there's no easy or free money to be made by being quick in this environment. Yeah, in my view. Uh, you know, it reminded me a little bit. So during, um, uh, actually it was about a week ago, we spoke to Sharif El Ansari, who's the CEO of a, a small small cap company called Drop Suite. And they just basically do backup for enterprise customers. Uh, anyway, it's an interesting business. Disclosure, I own shares. Anyway, um, they're, they're a really nice little business. And back in sort of late June, the share price went, you know, from 26 cents up to 37 cents. So in percentage terms, a very big move. And what happened? What the hell happened there? Well, the AFR wrote a glowing report on them, you know, a, you know, uh, a very favorable article on them. And then a little while later, um, it was revealed that Microsoft is releasing its own backup sort of solution. And the shares fell, you know, massively down again. Yeah, now, yeah. so we saw, just the start of the discussion was like, okay, let's just sort of address the elephant in the room. What's happened here? And, and it, was, mm. it was excellent, actually. He's gone, well, there was no new information in that AFR article, mm. right? Mm. There's zero information that wasn't disclosed to the market. Yeah, it was yeah, just, yeah. It was, and, but, but all of a sudden, all this hot money flew into it because, oh, the AFR is talking favorably about it. In regards to this Microsoft news, it's been out for ages. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> exactly. when, you, when you understand it, it's like, does it yeah. really change yeah. things? Again, I, mean, I don't want to get into the specifics too much here, but the upshot of it is, is that shares crashed, mm. quote unquote, mm. back to where they were in June. And so if you, had, if you had sort of looked at this company at the start of the year, you know, oh, 17 cents. Mm. And if you look at it now, it's 25 cents. It's been an incredible start right it's just that along the way this massive move up this massive move down on no new information whatsoever so there's the point that you're making which is well how would we know because this this was this was unknown even when there is no new information you're going to get these crazy kinds of things happening and as i often say long long may this continue it's uh yes exactly it's a it's a nice opportunity but yeah so we've been we've been slowing down and just having a having a good look at things and trying to understand what's uh, what's going on in the companies and, and kind of work from there I, I will say and this is where it was so many times uh we've we've talked before about the difference between the economy and the market or between short and long-term thinking and that's exactly what we're doing we're trying to analyze the results of these of these earnings and and the market responses as you rightly point out uh but but I will go back to the economic numbers because it's been a very, very big week, Ram. Um, we're mm. recording this on Thursday morning, the seventh of September, uh, just so we're all just so we're very clear. But to to back it up a little bit, on Tuesday, uh, Phil Lowe's last meeting as governor of the Reserve Bank, uh, here the board decided they would keep rates on hold at four point one percent. Obviously, believing that enough has been done and/or that to do more would risk more unreasonable pain. And then on Wednesday. We had the GDP numbers come out. Now, mate, I'm, uh, I tweeted about this during the week. I, I'm, a, I'm a glass half, glass, oh, glass half full guy. I can't even spit it out this morning, uh, which is hopefully- uh, What's in the glass? Right? Is it whiskey oh, exactly. or something? Exactly. That's why it's half full, right? It was, it was full before. It's going to be a great time now. Uh, so the glass is half full. Let me say that slowly. Make sure I uh, don't sound like I've been drinking. Um, I, I am- you know, it's 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 really important uh, information. Uh, it talks to the health of the economy and the directional kind of, um, uh, yeah, uh, momentum. I suppose is the best way to put it. Uh, mm. And again, you've said many times there's no such thing as the economy, but also, and also these are averages and totals rather than individual experiences. So let's let's put those on the table. It's important to recognise, right, that just because a, a number says X, not everyone's not everyone's at X. Some are at half of X, some are at double X, uh, some are at negative X, right? So let's let's keep that in mind. Um, 
I'll, I'll do GDP first, mate. I don't know if there's much to say on rates. Actually, I will, I'll do rates very quickly, only to say uh, the starkest thing out of that entire statement was that we're keeping rates on hold, uh, but they don't expect inflation to be back down to the target band until late 2025. Mm. And I thought that was interesting take, because... <laughs> lock, lock that in. Well, that, take that to the bank. Even if the forecast... A, a, an RBA forecast. Let's, let's chisel that into stone. But here's the thing. <laughs> if you're going to make a forecast you're going to believe you know or you have a sense of what the future might bring and you're going to make mm. your decisions on that basis. I think that's more important for my mind. Is they, they basically said rates on hold, we think and, and slash because slash and it's okay that um, inflation will take two years to get back down to the target band. I just thought it was interesting because you know the US has, has a interest rate which is one and a half odd percent higher than we do, maybe 1.4% higher. I think they're, they're, they have a range, which is always interesting. But five and a quarter to five and a half. We're at 4.1, right? So uh, if, if you're worried about your variable mortgage right now, be glad you're not in the US. Although they have fixed rate mortgages, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and they have lower inflation than us. Mm. And I just thought it's interesting in terms of settings that the reserve seems happy enough, as I said, or they're worried enough, <laughs> they're two sides of the same coin, to believe that the right setting is, is 4.1% where we are now. Uh, and they're prepared to let this glide path take potentially two years. I just, I, I would suspect. I, I don't do predictions right, but I, I, I'm just for the fun of it. I suspect they'll be well. They'll almost certainly be wrong because forecasts are almost always wrong. Uh, I think it's going to come down more. Especially quickly about the future. Exactly. Thank you. I think it's going to come down more quickly than they do. I, I, I am. I know you're a you're a long term hire. Uh, I have a suspicion we'll be down closer to three percent by the end of next year. I'll, I'll sorry, rates or inflation? Uh, inflation. Sorry, inflation. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm with you. I think throughout 2023, I've been saying they'll roll. Um, they will. Yes. They you, your, your view was that inflation will be longer for, for higher. Yeah, for oh, yeah, higher. For I, don't, I, yeah, think, I think I do I think agree so. with you that one. I think they'll. I think yeah. the rate. I think actually, again, I'm not predicting because there's no point in it. But my, my guess is that they finish with rate rises. I don't think we'll see another one um, unless everything goes horribly peat tong with inflation. No, I, I don't think so either. And it's interesting, right? So the and this is. This is the RBA, in fact, all the major central banks acknowledge mm-hmm. and talk about quite often, <laughs> which is that there's an 18-month lag on average yeah. between when rates start going up or down. Correct. And, there, and there is an, uh, the, the effect is, is fully mm-hmm. felt. Just, mm-hmm. It just takes time for it to sort of percolate and, and bubble through. What did Powell say the other day? It's like, we're navigating under the stars under, on a cloudy night. I'm like, what? <laughs> is, that, is that like just a very poetic way of saying it's like, yeah, we got we got we got the blindfold on, and we're just you know careening down the highway. So it's, um, and and they often are looking at backward pointing data. So it's yeah, it's diabolically hard, and all they can do is make their best guess, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think I think mm. he's he's my latest bugbear. In fact, just before we chatted, I went for a little walk around the park, had my headphones in, and was listening to a current affairs program. Mm. The journalist there was talking about how inflation is coming down. Well, they're interviewing someone. So mm-hmm. inflation is coming down. God, it's my. It just drives me crazy. It's like no, the rate of the rate of inflation yes. is slowing. Yes, prices aren't going down. Yes, prices never go back down again. So let's just. I know it's a small point, mm-hmm. but really, it really, really annoys me. It's just like uh, it, it's a. There's a. If I was to sort of like put your thumbs in some thumb screws and tighten them really bad and then say, it's okay, the rate at which I'm screwing this is, is slowing down now. Like, okay. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. grateful, yeah, but yeah. Can, you, can you actually loosen the thumb screws? Like, yeah. oh, no, we don't. No, it only, it's a ratchet. It only goes one 
way. Um, yes, so true. anyway, that's there's that little rant out of the way. With, but, I, um, I'm going to disagree with you only for the fun of being pedantic because okay, being pedantic, yeah. we might as well. Inflation, I think inflation implies a rate. I think it implies a percentage change. So I think inflation coming down it, it implies, I think in any reasonable use, the, the rate of increase is reducing. Inflation is, I think, considered to be a, 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 a measure of change, not a measure of absolute prices. So you're right, prices are still going up. I think inflation coming down is still the right phrasing, but it's also important that we make the, as you say, the price are not going back to the 2020 levels anytime soon, if ever. Well, probably never, right? No, so it's, it's, also, it's also absolutely true. Um, yes. I, think, I think both can be true for what it's worth, but I'm just being pedantic for the fun of it. Oh, no, you're, you're right. I think if, uh, yes, but I, I, if you want to do this, the, the classic pub test, you know, <laughs> and then say, what do you think that means? Mm-hmm. Sort of you know, the, the, the proverbial man on the street. I, I think it, it's sort of framed as in like, okay, it's, it's the pain is now over. We, everything is back to normal. It's like, well, everything's back to normal except everything's like 13% more expensive than it was a couple of years ago. So anyway, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a point I think worth making. The other thing that I think is interesting, um, there are, you know, it's, let's not get into the old debate. I, I, I really think the RBA is not as powerful as, as we often give it credit for. We have also seen a couple of things um, in regard to that interest rate decision. We saw the Aussie dollar fall. We are now at levels of the GFC, like 63s. We are now against the US greenback. Um, so that makes everything more expensive. That's a challenge for inflation. Uh, at the same time, the price of oil is going up. And that is a massive challenge for inflation, not only because we all use fuel, um, but because it is a key input cost to almost everything in the economy, right? Like it's just, it just even if it's not directly um, used to manufacture something, it's used to transport that something to your house. So it's sort of like, in, and the RBA has really got no control over, over those kinds of things in, in, a, in a broad macro landscape, where, you know, as part of a, a, you know, a very relatively small player in a global community. Yeah. So I think that's going to make it tough. I think that's going to make it, 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 it trickier. So I, I am of the view that inflation, the rate of increase, will slow down. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'll. I think and the, the the devil's bargain here is almost like, well, we'll just we'll just wear that rather than suffering a massive collapse to the economy. Which I yeah, again yeah. I'm, re- I'm repeating myself, but that's that's the situation as I see it. I was a bit surprised. I know everyone was forecasting. Uh, rates to be on hold. Mm. There was a part of me that thought, actually, you're out the door. Yes. Every everyone hates you. Yes. Yes. Already, like, just do it. Like, a, just, a bit of part of gift for the treasurer too. Here you go, yeah, treasurer. Yeah. Cop that. I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mic I mean, drop. Like, you know, just I, it feels as though it was a, that yep. might have been the yep. way the way to sort of go out. But anyway, yep. uh, we'll 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 see what happens. It's it's going to be interesting. What whatever we see. And just on the GDP thing, I know yep. this is like the most unoriginal take of the whole thing because a lot of <laughs> thankfully actually thankfully because usually it's not talked about enough. Um, but it has been getting more mm. press, more coverage this time, was actually, no, we're in a GDP per capita recession. So, mm. yeah, the economy grew, oh, I forget now, was it yeah. 2.4%? Uh, um, yeah, it's 2.1 for the year, minus sorry, 0.3 for the quarter. Right. And the population grew by a greater amount. Correct. So it only grew because we uh, there's 100 people on the island. They're making this amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we... We, we look at the island in another year's time. It's like, oh, we're making more stuff. It's like, yeah, but there's there's yes. more people than stuff. Like, yes. We're all poorer. The pie is bigger, but the, the p- slices are smaller. Thank you. 
Thank you. That is a much better way of saying so always, it. Always, always go back to pie. Pie or pizza? If you can't, if you can't, so yeah. good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I know, I know. I, I, I come across. You're the glass half full guy. I'm the glass <laughs> half empty guy. But it just, it just bears pointing out here. It's just sort of like We're drinking the same amount of whiskey each. Don't wee on my shoe and tell me it's raining. You know, it's like, come on. It's, 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 uh, uh, the other, there's a couple of interesting things as well. The gross operating surplus, which measures economy wide product, Mm -hmm. uh, profits, that was four and a half percent down. That's the biggest quarterly decline since the 90s recession. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing about the economy, right? You, you cherry pick it to support any thesis that you Correct. want. And I know, I know I'm doing that as yes, I say exactly. this. Yep, yep. But just for the point of balance, there's, yep. there, is, there are some, there are some um, worrying signs that are still out there. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to talk about, mate. In fact, by the way, speaking of um, operating profits, gross pro- company gross profits were down last month by 13%. That's a really yeah. volatile series. That's a massive fall, right? And yeah. people, I'm going to have another quick mini rant before we move on. The, the, the people who were saying uh, corporate profiteering is causing inflation uh, aren't now saying, oh, those poor companies who aren't making as much money anymore, we should help them out, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's all a bit too cute when you say, it's like the one who said, oh, Woolworths is causing, it's like, if Woolworths profits halved, you'd save $3 per $100 spent at the grocery shop. Can I tell you, this is not the cause of the cost of living crisis. Let's be really, really clear. Even if they made a little bit more money, we can ask you, argue about the morality of increasing company profits when, when people are doing it tough. They are not the culprit, right? This, this, BS, I was going to use the actual words. I'll, I'll, be, I'll keep it PG. Uh, the BS uh, that gets put out by the usual suspects of, obviously, it's corporate profiteering. By the way, truckload of profiteering in the oil and gas sector because that's what happens when prices go up. That's, this is how this supply demand thing works. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we can choose mm-hmm. policies to fix it, but it's like, this is not... This is not it's, it's, it's like people are like, turns out companies are capitalist. <laughs> shocked, <laughs> I am. I'm shocked. Um, and again, I'm not saying we should laugh at people doing it tough. I'm just saying... It's, it's a feature on a bug, right? Like we, we'll talk a little bit later about government policy, but it, it is what it is. Hey, so let's- um, Can I so, just very quickly oh, yeah, add on to that? Oh. This is another little bit, because we have to, again, we can't get away from it. So we will yes. we'll talk more about Qantas, but a lot of the coverage was uh, you people saying, they put profits first, you know? <laughs> no, no, like, well, I, mean, uh, I am the first person to throw rocks, yes, yes, right, yes, at Qantas. Like, yes. I am not a fan, and yes. I think they've done a whole bunch of egregious stuff. But it's yes. like, don't criticize them for the, the profit. <laughs> like, that is literally every- do, like, even, do you, even do you the like flying to Melbourne relatively inexpensively? Yes, more than it was two years ago, but a lot less than 30 years ago. You do? Yeah. Okay. Thank Qantas and thank Boeing. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, even the, the mum and pop- store down there like yeah, their profit they're, they're only they're focusing on they, that's what they're in for otherwise they're a charity <laughs> right so it needs to be viable at the very minimum oh, right yeah. and you need a re- you need a reasonable return on capital to make anyone bother to do it in the first place now there is yes. there is there is egregious profiteering that's yes. a different story Correct. but don't don't say that it's it's the profit motive that is that is to blame here. anyway it's a small little a little I, I like to yell at the tv a lot me too, me too. imagine and that's one of the things it's like <laughs> oh come on of all the things that criticize that listen what andrew doesn't realize is his wife uh, pays me to have him on the podcast so that she has to deal with it at home <laughs> um mate so i want to get back to gdp quickly uh, four numbers i want to share uh just yes. to put this in context i tweeted about this during the week gdp plus 0.4% for the quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, GDP per capita, we've just talked about, minus 0.3%. Mm-hmm. Real net disposable income, down 1.4%. In other words, after all the bills are paid, there's less to be spent on the fun stuff. Mm. Productivity, GDP per hour worked, minus 2%. Mm-hmm. And household savings ratio of the last year, 
has fallen from 8.1% of income to 3.2% of income. So as I said, I'm a half- And that, li- by the way, that's the oh. lowest, That's I forget, but that's like the lowest level since X or whatever. I think COVID yes. and then the GFC before, just to put that in context. Yeah. So well, by of- the way, household saving was 20% during COVID. Right? When there's a lot of right. money thrown away okay. and nowhere to spend it, uh, we, it, we went through the roof and then it's been tracking lower ever since. The average is about six-ish, I believe. It gets negative- uh, in two times. It gets negative when things get really tough like now. It also mm-hmm. gets negative when uh, when people get carried away with consumerism in the boom times. And so they all get to yes. things on credit because, hey, this party's going to go forever, right? Uh, of course, that doesn't. So they're, they're the extremes you tend to find low levels of household savings for very opposite opposite reasons. Yep. I wanted to, um, so I wanted to share those, mate. I, I want to give a bit of context for each and then uh, I'll let you do the same and we can we can move on. Um, the, the, the pie and the slices, I think, is the right analogy for GDP per capita. I will add one comment because I, I think it's really, really important. Um, there is a, a gentleman on Twitter who is an absolute gun. He focuses a lot on population and immigration policy in particular. Abul Rivzi, R-I-V-Z-V-I? Visit, I should check. Uh, anyway, he, Abul is fantastic. He is a really, really good guy. Super thoughtful, um, super, uh, you know, helpful. Uh, no, no carry on. He's an absolute gun. He just knows his stuff. If you're not following him, and you're on Twitter. Do yourself a favor, follow us, of course. But follow Abul. He's just, he's brilliant. Um, but he was saying uh, in response to a Twitter tweet I put out, actually, which is again is one of the great things about um, about Twitter. Uh, Rizvi, R I Z V I. It is. Uh, Abul was saying that the, the ABS uses. Uh, a relatively crude measure of population, which is the population clock, where they just kind of assume that whatever growth rate has been continuing kind of goes on until they recalculate the population. And a bull's view is that maybe the population numbers they're using are too high. And so if that is true, the GDP per capita decline is probably overstated. So mm. just just worth, I, I, I don't have a view. I'm not expert enough to know whether he's right or wrong, other than I'm uh, hopefully humble enough to realize he's the expert and I'm not. So uh, I just want to kind of throw that out there because we can get carried away with the per capita recession and we might well have one. Uh, his mm. view is that it was negative in March and probably roughly flat uh, based on his calculations. He uses net migration and something else kind of combines them to, to more accurately calculate population. He believes the ABS should change that. Uh, he's putting an article out today. Apparently he tweeted at me this morning. Um, I haven't got it yet for you. And if you, again, if you follow him, you'll, you'll see it. Um, but if you want to follow someone who's really thoughtful, really sensible, followable. Um, so there's that. Yeah, uh, moving, down to, moving down to net disposable income. This is, this, is, this is where the rubber hits the road. And I've got to say, some, here's the challenge with some of this stuff, Ram, is while it's, not great news for the individual or even for the country it may well be the required medicine i am absolutely sure the rba looks at that line and goes yep we did our job so to the extent they are trying to slow economic activity to try to slow inflation that's exactly what that describes right is how much do we have left a bit less okay we'll spend a bit less that that's that's exactly the tool of interest rates right love them on love them or hate them um, that is exactly the, the desired outcome so it's negative which is bad uh, in, in absolute terms, if you if you like a growing, healthy economy. But if you believe the economy was overheated and needed to be slowed, then this is doing that work. So it's both a, a watch out, a negative, but also to some degree what we should have expected and what we shouldn't be necessarily too unhappy about if the RBA is right that this is required to deal with inflation. The the productivity one is the one that I think, I think we've talked about before, mate. This is the one that really worries me. Um, in the past, so last year, by the way, was down 3.1% and another 2% lower. This quarter, to be down by 3.6% for the year. So c- compound those, down something like 6.8, 6.9% GDP, so productivity. In other words, the, the per hour worked, we're working more 
and producing less or, or, or you know the same amount right the, the the reality is the economy is less healthy than it was and productivity is not the only thing but it's not miles off i saw an estimate this morning that 80 percent of the increase in living standards since federation have come from increasing productivity now if that's true and i have no reason to believe it's not it's indicatively true because that's largely how you do increase standard of living because everything else is just nominal but you produce more with the same or more with less then we all get wealthier at least on average and in total um, that's a really ugly one mate that that's that's evidence our living standards are falling i think that's important and then the household savings ratio we've kind of already mentioned but 3.2 percent is really low again I, I said i think maybe last week the week before the rba had to spend 12 months sucking out excess capacity through excess savings in the in the in the um uh, in the population. In fact, it only fell below long-term average in the December quarter of last year. So effectively, everything ended up to that point gets us back to something relatively close to normal. So think about expansionary and contractionary economic policy, for example. If you're saving more than normal, then you know, what, while you're saving, it's obviously not expansionary because you're saving it, you're putting it away, you're not spending it. But as it starts to come down, what it means is you're actually adding money back into the economy at a faster rate than was previously being done. So it's, it's not exactly a false economy. It's real money. It's real savings that were being spent down or, or less money being saved actually is the point because this is not a measure of the stock of saving but the amount of each paycheck we keep. The fact that's falling means we're taking pay out of the economy. And that's, that's why the RBA has had to work for so long to get this down to this level where they start to have that impact on the economy we're feeling over the last three months. So I'm just going to throw those thoughts out there, mate, just kind of break it down for people who are listening. Um, there's lots and lots of key detail in there. It's, you know, if you're a wonk mm. like me, it's kind of fun. Uh, but if you're wondering kind of what's going on and what we should care about, it's those four numbers for me that kind of tell the story of where the economy's at. Yeah. Um, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. I, 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 I think... There's a philosophical, perhaps more fairly ideological <laughs> base through which we differ, yes, which we which is very hard to. <laughs> it, it's it's hard to contest yeah. what you're saying if you hold certain axioms true. If you don't, yes, it's 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 easier, but it's it's sort of like it, it's it's. Neo's in the matrix, right? <laughs> Morpheus is trying to sort of say, hey, none of this is real. Like, well, it is to me. It, it, it's very hard to sort of argue against a system from within a system. Yeah. And I, I take more of a broader view. Where is, right? I, yeah. I reject just a bunch of the premises, frankly. And I, yeah. we've, we've had this sort of discussion yeah, before. Yeah. So I don't, it's, and it's such a big one and we can't, we can't do, it, do it justice. But, you know, I just, I feel as though mm. this idea that, we have to make the cost of money higher to take stuff out of the economy yep. is certainly true, I think, at a high enough level. But I think at the, at, the, at the coalface, what it does is it just it hurts the least privileged in society. It's basically my milk and bread is too high. Yep. Poor people need to lose their jobs. Correct. And it's like, well, what? And, 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 and we, we've seen this with data series after data series. I mean, anyone yeah. who's owned a house outright or has paid off most of their mortgage, it's like, it's kind of makes no difference to me. Yep. And, and yep. Correct. you know, uh, so, so, so it's brutally unfair. And I just cannot have mm -hmm. anyone yet explain to me. Now, let's say that we all do have too much money. Um, no, that's not right. It's not that, that that's actually, let me, let me try it this way. Let's say that we're all spending too much. Mm -hmm. What the RBA yeah, is saying. Put it. Yep. 
Now, and, and let's well, say I just the other saying we're spending too much. So they're saying they're saying the demand's outstripping supply. Demand is outstripping and the ability, supply. They don't have an ability to fix supply, so they're going to look at the demand side and try and restrain demand to push prices down or stop the prices rising to your original point about inflation. Yeah, and I, I think that is certainly true for some things. But let's mm. say that I, if I was your boss and I just made your salary 10 times higher. Yep. Paid off all your debts. Thank you. I would reckon- You're offering me a job. That your consumption <laughs> of bread and milk- Yeah doesn't change doesn't change at all like not mm-hmm. even slightly you might mm-hmm. stop buying mints and go for the for the prime cut of steak or that kind of thing but right. i yeah. it just doesn't yeah. it just doesn't right so i i don't buy true. it yeah. you know when when there is there is there is so many of the basics we have yeah. seen in this basket of goods that continually get changed by the way so there's a bit mm-hmm. of a furphy with the cpi but look, taking the basket of goods as it currently stands i just you look at all of the sort of things in that and i just think yeah, that correct. actually i don't see how me having to spend more of my savings or pay more on my mortgage is going to make me spend less on the, these are just mm-hmm. there's so mm-hmm. much of that that is essential kind of thing so i'm very much a milton friedman man who is like Inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. Yep. You know, we are we are. If you want to talk about overstimulating the economy, it's because well, the government's spending more than it's taking in, yes, and it's making up the difference by borrowing from the future. Yes. And if it can't borrow enough from the future, the RBA just prints it up. That's what that's the excess that needs mm-hmm. to be addressed. That's the elephant in the room. No one talks about that. We talk about the poor fiery and the nurse and the teacher who apparently is spending too much on milk and bread, and we need to put them out of work so that the price of milk and bread will never go back down, but the rate of increase will will. Slow I just I find it I I find a lot of that Keynesian philosophy to be to be very flawed and it's I know it's a huge conversation so it's probably just best to make the comment and, and move on <laughs> yeah I mean obviously um, you're entirely wrong because uh, Keynesianism is much better than Milton Friedman's rubbish but uh, let's say no uh, <laughs> I, 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 actually I'm not I'm not I'm not kidding in one sense I think I think you and I disagree on that as a as a we just we just look at the people have been debating this for yeah, a long totally. time so we're not going to resolve it now what I, what I do but I will know is, oh, yeah. is the one just just very quickly I think I think my, my I think yeah I think we said the other day I I'm, I'm maybe it was off here I'm, I'm very much the, the pragmatist at the end of the day right I'm looking for the best outcome or the least worst outcome and I'm happy to use whatever range of tools make sense to get there I think yep. where I'm slightly defensive of the RBA is two things one is uh, they only operate in the system under which they're they're, elect, they're, they're appointed to 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 do and so yep. that you know making their decision saying well they shouldn't exist I, I don't think it's an unreasonable point by the way so yeah you know, from first principles should we get rid of the rba you'd say yes i'd say no but either way that's yes. a very real conversation right yep. given they're there you say okay well are they doing are they, are they fulfilling their obligations appropriately um and my starting point i think i think i think you don't agree on this maybe we don't um is that i for for all of that the, your point about the fire and the nurse and the, and the poor bastard who's having to pay you know more on his rent and, and mortgage and whatever and and bread and petrol mm-hmm. um, it, it comes down to if you believe that the the way to control inflation or to help control inflation is to reduce economic demand then there are a million tools that government have and only one tool the RBA has and we've been saying this for years mate literally yeah. years and years yeah to the man with um, the hammer Everything looks like a right. nail. And, and my point, right. though, is I don't blame the RBA for that in the slightest because that, that's the only tool they do have. If, if, if you're the goalkeeper and everyone else has missed the goal, you're like, well, I, I guess I'll do it. You know, you've asked me to do this thing. You've said you've got an inflation target and you've got a tool. And I, I, I'm not, not only, he doesn't think it's a, a, everything's a nail. He's saying, well, yeah, all I've got is a hammer. You, yeah. you know, you, you can, it can be a screw. Before you've got to hammer, what are you going to do? You've got to get the screw in the wood. Here's your hammer. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll treat it like a nail. I mean, I think mm. my, my point is just to not to just completely distort the metaphor um, that you know, if you are going to reduce demand, if governments appoint a, a reserve bank and a reserve bank governor and say, do this thing, that's fine. But they've got to acknowledge their own responsibility if they're, if they're starting ideology and it's, and it's orthodoxy across politics with the, with the exception of some extremes is inflation, you know, curtailing, curtailing demand helps to bring inflation down. You say, right, you over there, Mr. Lowe, you've got interest rates. I've got everything else. I'm doing exactly zero. Good luck. That, that's, yeah. my, that's my criticism for all of that. Um, and, and again, I'm not- No, I don't, I don't disagree. Wrong, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. It's just a dumb system, right? So I was like, is, 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 are they acting in the way that is appropriate given the circumstance they find yeah. themselves? Probably. Yeah. And, but, and the government's doing too little given they say they believe in this orthodoxy that they're choosing not to then do anything to address. Yeah, I know. I did, we, we just got to. Sometimes it's worth stand, I, we take too much of this stuff as like anointed from the heavens above. Yep. And and we forget that it actually wasn't from the vast majority of human history. This wasn't the system that yes, we correct, had, correct. right? And is even in modern history, a lot of the, like as I've said before, the, the the idea of inflation targeting is only an invention since yeah. the nineties. Yeah, right? totally. it's, it's yeah, a yeah. very recent phenomenon in New Zealand. Well, that you know, was the first inflation target that, was set. Yeah, that's the, it was just yeah. like a guy said. Yeah, yeah it feels yeah. about. Three percent. That's about right. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like, okay. Yeah. There's nothing scientific about it. It's basically yeah, right. how much can we steal from people without them noticing? And like about three percent turns out to be about right. <laughs> we'll just dilute dilute you by that amount each year, and, and no one will complain too much. So it's sort of, and we've got to remember too. It's not we're not trying to debate the the gravitational constant. Or anything, you know, or um, yep. you know, Maxwell's equations here. We're we're, we're debating things that are entirely made up mm-hmm. by. By these hairless yeah. apes that wander around the the, the landscape, we, which, which we is money, can money in general, right? The whole, the whole, and the whole idea. We're, we're trying to create a system that allows for progress and the exchange of value, yes, and, and work out how you best create some common stories that allow us to achieve those things. In the oh, hundred percent. Now, you, now you're talking my language. Yes, money is the economic medium in which we swim, and none Correct. of us understand it. Um, so yeah, but and, yeah, and, you and fundamentally, you're going to lure me towards Bitcoin. No, 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 careful, no. Mate. not at all. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying what's better or worse. I, I just make the point to your just just to illustrate your point, which is you know we say oh, I've got I've got some time and some stuff, mm. and you've got some time and some stuff. Yeah, and. We simply say, and this—I mean, you know—the the very first, the very first specialization was: I can't plant wheat and make shoes and pull a cart and whatever. I'll tell you what—I'll make your shoes if you take my stuff to market. Okay, and then mm-hmm. and, and there it goes from there. The money becomes yep. that thing which says, "Well, I don't want to sell you shoes good. just now, but I'd like it later, please, if you don't mind." Yep. So I'll store yep. it up for later, or I'll use that money to buy. I've got shoes already, but I'll buy a pumpkin. Um, that, that stuff is is fundamental. Hey, let's let's oh. move on. Um, Can I just? I've got to, one more thing. One more thing. One more thing. And it's okay. not not on that that kind of stuff. But oh, one day we should just do a, a topic of that because I I can talk about that all day. But um, well, well, I'll, pre- I'll pretend I'm recording that one. I'll never said a lot today on our listeners' behalf. You and I, you and I can talk about that because we will enjoy it. But uh, drive everyone else nuts. Go on. It's so it's 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 like fish. It's like fish debating water. Like we're mm-hmm. so immersed in it, we can't see it. It's it's yeah. anyway. Yes, exactly. But I wanted to touch on your point of productivity. Um, and it's such a good one because productivity is there is yeah. some uh, processes like just more like McDonald's make hamburgers very quickly because you know they've they've worked out that you put the stove here and you, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the um, the movie with Michael Keaton in it's excellent by the way and they talk about the early days of such a great movie what's it called it's the one about McDonald's it's great it's really really oh, good gone blank now. Anyway. It's, 
it's not that old. Anyway, yeah, it's really good. They 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 basically just they, they sort of production lined burgers, right? There was no real technology breakthrough there. There was there was an organizational improvement. So that's one thing with productivity, but but the but the massive gorilla is technology. Um, that is you know going from the spear to the net to the trawler. Right. Yes. You know, and that's you know, that's that's technology, right? Technology isn't just computer chips. I mean, that that's a modern version of technology. Technology oh, yeah. was just the thing that helped us do those things better. It was the wheel. Like the wheel is the, the, yep. the, the prototypical technology. Ah, you know, it's gone from uh, a pointy stick to like dig a hole for me to plant a seed to a, a trowel to a ox drawn cart to a, to a massive, like you look at farming is the most interesting and, and obvious example, I think. Less obvious to us today, but in the grand um, arc of history, like you look at modern agriculture and you can have a family, you know, probably and a team of people, I don't know, 20 strong producing more food than like, you know, all of the farmers in ancient Rome did. Right. Like it, it is it is just phenomenal. And I think that this discussion that we have around productivity drives. Mm. Here's another mm. thing I scream at the TV a lot about productivity is, is not improving. It's like, well. I actually think that makes a lot of sense to me mm. because we have we have very much become a service economy. Yes. Because so much of the stuff we just import of the of the manufactured goods mm-hmm. and manufacturing is largely done either by egregious slave labor in, in in developing nations or by robots, right? And so we've sort of pushed that as far as as, as it can and that's that's been wonderful because I can buy a really crappily made t-shirt for $2 at, mm. at Target mm. now. And and you exactly. know whereas in the past it would have been a lot more you, you yeah. kind of push that as far as it yep. can. It's like barring some big breakthrough, mm-hmm. maybe AI is the next breakthrough or something like that is that is going to plateau, right? Mm-hmm. And when you look at the what is it Australia's economy is like 60-70% services based whereas things Yeah, it's like yep. there's not actually a lot of productivity gains and so the the government sort of waves its fist in the air and we need mm-hmm. to improve, we need to improve. It's like, well, A, <laughs> you can't you a bureaucrat can't mandate that we improve like just like here's the other thing do you think there's any entrepreneur or business person out there who's going wow there's a there's a process or technology i could use that would make me like 100 times more productive but i'm just not going to use like you don't need to be told business is business and capitalism is if i am if you and i are in competition making shoes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. there is a better way for me to do it i don't need a government agency to mandate that i'm I'm just going to do it you really should make more money by using that machine oh okay you say i have to the government said i don't have to like it's this it's the dumbest conversation ever and it's just sort of like i'm not that i'm not disagreeing that it would be Mm -hmm. great to have more productivity because that just means that we're all richer because we all get to make stuff with a lot less input Mm -hmm. that i'm all for that sign me up but i'm i where i rail is where we feel as though it needs to be something that is mandated from on high and without that people wouldn't do it and also just understanding the structure of the economy Mm -hmm. and 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 that you know technological improvements in robotics is not going to help a lot of people in the knowledge economy. It's just not, right? Like, because, yeah. you know, if, you, if your job is to make PowerPoint presentations, I don't know, whatever mm. you, people do <laughs> in, in a lot of these white collar jobs, it's, just, it's not and it can't and it is going to plateau. And technology is, uh, as a phenomena, 
never is a linear progression. It is, it is yeah. a stepwise thing. We go sideways and then someone invents electricity and we go sideways and then someone invents the transistor. And then we go, you know, the, the, it, is a, it, is a, it is a stepwise thing. And so all this gnashing of teeth and that, and oh, in the last three, four years, you know, productivity. <laughs> like, it just, I just feel as though people are right to, to try and improve that, but, but we are all having this discussion without ever understanding fundamentally yeah. what it is we're talking about. Yeah. And it just drives me a little bit crazy. I agree, and I'm glad to hear you finally say AI is not going to be a big deal. You've been banging about this AI stuff. Tell me it's going to change the world. Apparently, no, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you finally agreed with me. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, it's, I, it is going to change the right, world. Well, it's I, going to, you know, yeah. Well, that's actually, so I was, I was going to just politely disagree with you. Not actually disagree. Hold open the potential that I think, you know, the guy in 1960 who said we only had six computers in the world, right? Um, yes. Because you, they couldn't see. I, I'm loath to say we are at the end for productivity. I think I would no, I would go I would take not. a slight ninety degree turn from your point, mate, which is to agree with you in a lot of that. Disagree with some. I think I think there's you know that the PowerPoint is going to write itself at some point, so the person can do something else. So I think there, you know there's 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 some options around that would not write itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's the personal services stuff where I think the biggest challenge for productivity is going to come. Yeah. The hairdresser, the nurse, frankly, who you know how, how many patients you want the nurse to look after? Yeah, you can put some yep. plug some machines in, but they're still going to have to be around and do the things teaching. Yep. Uh, education, the same thing. The, the masseur, exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I, I can't. I can't afford that, Andrew. If you're spending straw man's money to do that, <laughs> but it's just right. like you, it's exactly right. Yes. You, you yes. Incru- it's a great example, though, right? Like you improve their productivity. Totally. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So per- personal services are where, where the area I think we're going to have. Mo- now, I think it will it'll improve, improve slightly. Maybe if you're paying a cleaner, you use one of the robot vacuums, or you, sure. I mean, there's there's ways it will improve slightly. But you're right. It, 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 going from you know putting putting the well, frankly, you know driving a driving a bullock to using a, a motor car to a faster, cheaper, lower fuel, more efficient. Those improvements are really obvious to see. Robotics in factories. Um, yeah. Can you replace robotics with more robotics? I suppose. Can the robots move a little bit faster and be a little bit cheaper in time? Probably. You know, I think I think I think the curve is still going. I think we're, we're plateauing. Oh yeah, soon. absolutely. But, um, oh, but our, it's, a, our, it's a much better. Our, our ancestors will oh, not our ancestors. Our um, descendants yeah. will look back in fifty years' time and yes. Can yes. I tell you something? You mentioned robotics. I had a fascinating podcast the other day. So Tesla's got its Optimus program. Uh, <laughs> Optimus is its uh, humanoid robot, and named after um, mm. Optimus mm. Prime, of course, which is pretty <laughs> cool. Um, so you know what the interesting thing is there in terms of the actuators and a lot of the mechanical componentry, mm. it's actually we've got the tech. It's actually the limiting factors has often been things like um, batteries, but more importantly the brains. Yeah. So so what you have is you have a lot of bottlenecks in technological progress, which which hit a hit a sort of local maximum mm. that requires breakthroughs in other areas for there to be massive progress. So yeah. we, we, we would still be using Wright Brothers style planes yeah. if, it, if it wasn't for, uh, right. yes. uh, it, was break, it was actually breakthrough yeah. in metallurgy and, right. and, and, right. and right. having uh, yeah. alum, aluminium, which provides very light yeah. frames. Yeah. Yeah, oh, actually now we can have much bigger aircraft and, oh, and jet engines and these, mm-hmm. these enabling kind of technologies. And anyway, this is a, a long bow here, but I'm, I'm just saying is that the, yes. I, you know, if you've ever seen iRobot, 
read the original book, <laughs> which is fantastic. Have you read the Cinema no, Smith no, no, movie? No. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but that that actually that could be yeah. something that is the next the next sort of wave where mm-hmm. it, we we see these breakthroughs in AI and processing sensor technology that actually enables that. Uh, there's no reason why we can't have those kinds of things. Yeah. And now you take the robots out of the factories and things get – now mm-hmm. Now you've got a productivity enhancer for the masseur, mm-hmm. for the hairdresser. Exactly. For exactly. the plumber, you know? And that's – anyway, that's, I'm, I'm thinking probably a t- few decades ahead here. But, it's, <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm a technologist yeah. and I'm here for it. It's you are, you are. So I think I, – and i, I got to say, I, I've had lots of great – I'll mention Twitter again. I Honestly, when good people are on Twitter, it is just a fantastic place to be to exchange of ideas. Oh yeah, it's an absolute yep. sewer. Other times, um, yep. but it's but it can be great. Um, it's a I've had some really good conversation here. I've had some really good conversation this this week with people about you know how, how much is too much, how much growth can we have, is growth over all that kind of stuff. And you and I have talked about capitalism before. The to my mind, you know, is there a limit to growth? Yes, by definition. But to assume we're there yet and should stop trying, I think is is a mistake because, as I said. Could have been in 1950 with six computers. That's well, yeah. that's probably not more growth. Let's stop trying to grow because we could probably do X, Y, Z. Was it 1900? Was it 1800 with a steam engine? We've got steam. That'll do. Now, yeah. I will say, for those who are yelling at the, the pod machine, um, yes, it's caused environmental damage and it's caused some some social issues and we, you know, we shouldn't overlook those. Uh, and I would like to be able to go back and undo some of that stuff or not have it happen. Absolutely. But it's one of those things where you want to be careful what you wish for, right? Because if you're like living past 35... With, and you're like your kids actually making it through childbirth. You know, you can't say, well, if we never had progress, we wouldn't have climate change. You can say that, actually. That's absolutely true. Mm, mm. But, you know, how many more people would have died at childbirth? How many more, you know, do we want women back in, you know, in the kitchen? Um, there's a whole lot of stuff that, you know, has come via progress. And I think it's a massive mistake to say there are negative outcomes, therefore the whole thing was bad. There are negative outcomes, so the negative outcomes are bad and we should fix those and stop them happening yep. again. And we're not doing enough of that either, by the way, for anyone who's wondering my thought. Um, mm. So it's really, it's a real issue. But I just, just, you just want to be very careful when you say, should we stop trying to grow just in case we can't keep growing after that? It's like, well, how far back do you want to go in history and say, when should they have stopped? And I don't know where, I, frankly, if anyone's enjoying this podcast, um, if you're not enjoying the podcast, stop listening. Seriously, what's wrong with you? It's on you. It's on you. Totally point. right. Yeah, no one's making it. But if we'd, um, but you know, the podcast doesn't exist without technology, right? So you know, would I would I happily kill a podcast with no climate change? Yeah, of course. But you know, but but overall, the advances in health, the advances in, in longevity, the advances in the the human experience and, and the comforts that we have. How many of those do you want to give up? You can go back and live in caves, and humanity could live in caves, and we have no climate change. Just just careful what what trade off you are. Uh, what you want to kind of you know bring to the bring to the table? You're, you're talking about I think it's termed the Malthusian fallacy. Right. Um, this idea yeah. that there is sort of we will run out of stuff. There is there was a there is huge abundance of resources mm-hmm. that we will unlock with creativity and, and technology. Yeah. And I think we should. I think we should. Um, uh, at the same time, I, I think we should do it in a very sustainable, environmentally <laughs> yeah, aware right. way, right? Yeah. So th- I think I think too often the debate gets too 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 simplified. Yeah. So there is, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago, people were saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, there's going to be too many people on the planet; we're all going to starve to death." And it just yeah. it turns out that productivity yes. unlocked. We we basically we just unlocked uh-huh. all of these. Um, step changes that allowed us to do so much more mm-hmm. with what we have. Mm-hmm. And there is no limit 
to the resources that are available on Earth, the solar system, and beyond. And yep. And, yep. and I'm hopeful that we can sort of get there, but just just let's not kill ourselves on the way through. Yeah, right? that'd be that'd be. And again, that's that'd what I'm be saying. good. I, no, no one. I am the last person, and let me be really million percent clear. I'm not defending the excesses of capitalism in the slight the slightest. But I am defending capitalism as a great way to allocate scarce resources for the best possible oh, yeah. outcomes. It's the only way. The, the, job, of, the job of governments, plural, uh, both present, past and future, as well as you know, state, local, national, and then you know, international, is to regulate the negative outcomes. So that there, aren't, there are fewer or preferably none, but you know, let's, be, let's be real, let's live in the real world. Um, that, that's the job of government. Right? Let, let's harness the, pa- <coughs> harness the power of capitalism and carve off its excesses. That's, that's, how, we, that's how this works. Yep. Um, those who want to strongly the whole thing and you know hey if we just get rid of capitalism we'll be fine um, mm. I don't know what do you want do you want bread lines go, in Russia do go, you want- go, go move to Cuba right yeah, no, see, no, how, see how it works cars. out for you exactly yeah. right and you know it just it just Again, I'm, I'm at, you know, there's a whole bunch of crappy stuff about it, right? Yes. But, but it's 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 more. I think they are. I would use. I would argue they are more perversions of the more pure yes, form exactly. of a. You know, it's not this. It is. It is where you have the crony capitalists that, yeah. that come yeah. in and 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 bribe and yep. corrupt and 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 that's where things get really bad. Yep. But in I'm terms sure. of it, it's just we, again. Bring it back to simple levels. These mm-hmm. hairless apes that walking around. Hey, you've got something that I want. You've got so I, you know, I've got yeah. something you want. Let's trade and let's both be richer and better yeah. off yeah. as a consequence for it. Let's just that that's capitalism, right? Yes, so correct. if you it's exactly what it is. It, it is, it is a natural emergent phenomena mm-hmm. where, where people, I think, think forget that that it is. Mm-hmm. There's experiments with chimps, right? Where they they do basic capitalism. It is, and there are birds that do it. It, it is it is just a transactional kind of thing yeah. that a species will do. To now, it just it just needs to be held in check. I'm the biggest environmentalist you'll you'll find, mate. I'm I'm very concerned about global warming and and all the rest of it. But I just think the I I don't know how we we are so off topic here, but I but <laughs> but you know to I'm to think that it is it mm-hmm. is. It is "quote unquote" capitalism mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. to blame. Yeah, I think right. is, a, right. is a, a massive misunderstanding. It, it's it's it, well, and I'm actually slightly disagree with you in one sense, where you said that the the, the crony capitalism is the perversion of capitalism. I think that's true, but also capitalism, in its purest form, doesn't consider externalities at all. I think we need to. I'll, I'll oh yeah, we the, need. I'll use yeah, the we need guardrails. We need, we need to pervert capitalism, right? We need to pervert free markets because free markets mm-hmm. don't value pollution. They don't value the, the crappy stuff that comes from, you know, I, I will make more money if I tip my sludge in the sewer mm-hmm. or on the, on the street or in the oceans, right? I will make more money. That, that's what capitalism would drive given its choice. So uh, pervert is obviously a, a pejorative term. I just want to make the point that I don't think we, we don't want, we, I, I'm sure we don't want unbridled capitalism. We want no. well-bridled capitalism. <laughs> we, yes. we, we literally want to say, hey, do your thing. But just maybe don't put stuff in, you know, don't, don't pour your sludge in the sewer and maybe don't employ kids and maybe make sure yep. your workers actually aren't exposed to, you know, um, yep. irradiated uranium. The, the, you know, there's, there's some rules that we might say, that, you know, there's societal benefits to, to having you do your thing. And I want, to, I want you to do your thing. I'm just going to ask you to rule, do it by, by a certain number of rules that actually make sure that we get the best of it and we don't have to deal with the worst of it because the system doesn't allow for those externalities. Yeah, you, you got to be aware. Of, I mean, these are th- these are not. This is what's frustrating is that these concepts are well understood and known for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Concepts such as the tragedy of the commons, you know, externalities you mentioned uh, before as well. So, yep. and, and and the power of incentives and 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 all the rest of it. Yeah, I got to tell you, this is why I find 
economics, markets, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. money. So fast. I, I think too often it's like when when you're a little bit obsessed by it all, as <laughs> as we are, uh, you like, come across as like a money hungry. Uh, you know, it's a greed kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like every other hairless ape, I, I do want mm-hmm. to better my my, my position in, in society. I want more stuff, sure. But I I think that it is fascinating, mm. not from that, but from, if you want to uh, understand anthropology mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and society and civilization and this great journey that we're all on, mm-hmm. like you, you have to understand it. As much as I'm a, I'm a very keen student of science and yeah. and- I love. I mean, I love watching physics YouTube videos and all the way because it just you know you need you need these to you know throw in the obligatory Charlie Munger quote. You need mental <laughs> models, right, to sort of understand the yes, world. Yes, and yes. I don't think you can possibly have any sensible political conversation yeah. uh, without having a, a decent grounding of economics. I don't yes. think you can have any possible view on you know, some of the challenge, the grand challenges of humanity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without understanding basic economic challenge. It's not about trying to pick a stock so I can buy a Lambo. It, yeah. It's it's about how does the world work? Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, that's, and that's what I was we saying before. Economics is applied psychology. Yeah. yeah. It's literally what it is. I, I think yeah. the mathematicians, when they said, here, here are the formulas, do, do economics a massive, massive disservice because A, they're wrong because yes. the things you have to assume are constant to make the models work. It's fine in theory, but in practice, this is useless. So it is a waste of time. You're sounding like an Austrian economist all of a sudden. Well, right? no. <laughs> uh, but my, my point is the the you know it just it describes the interactions. It describes the interactions in the world. And yes, it does it through a business and money lens because again, we talk about the store of exchange. The store, you know, sorry, the store of value and the, the the medium of exchange. Those are the things that do matter. So economics is just describing the interactions that we have effectively in total i mean there's no reason economics needs to actually to you can do economic study can include things that are done for no money yep. we exchange time we volunteer those things have you know is it psychology is it economics i'm i'm convinced the two two disciplines are the same thing yep what one just happens to say i'm going to use the interaction of uh you know broader uh manager in fact take away money and psychology and economics are the mm-hmm. same thing Mm-hmm. The only the only difference is that one chooses to say I'll I'll use the the you know uh, the exchange of of the of the the exchange of value as, as the starting point for the analysis. That's that's literally all it is. That's oh, fascinating, fascinating. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Qantas this week ditched old mate Alan. He's gone. Uh, apparently two months early and $24 million richer. Uh, and the Qantas board is desperately hoping that a new CEO, Investor Hogan, and and a little bit of a, uh, what do they call circuit breaker in the news cycle, uh, might cauterize the wound and let them kind of just get off the front page for a while. Uh, is this the is this the solution to Qantas' problems, getting rid of Alan Joyce? <laughs> no, no, but it keeps it keeps the um, punters happy, right? It's like, <laughs> we're ancient Rome, Someone right? say a sacrificial lamb? Yeah, it's just like throw him into the throw him into the Colosseum and yeah. it's all better. Like <laughs> nothing's going to change. Let me mm-hmm. let me be Mister Cynical for a second here. Nothing will change whatsoever, <laughs> right? So he is he is one person. He's employed by the board. I would say if you're angry, fire mm-hmm. the board, right? Yeah, they, they're the one who hired oh, him. So true. They're the one right? who enabled him. No one's sitting you know? in front of him saying, "Well, he only did what we told him to do." It's our oh, fault. he got this bonus. <laughs> like, Alan is never going to say no. I don't want Correct. to. The board authorized it. I had the someone actually say, "Oh, should he?" Someone. Said to me on Twitter, should, he's got enough money. Shouldn't he have said no to a bonus? I'm like, well, he'd be the first person ever. 
If whenever you have a system that relies on the good oh. grace of a human being to not yeah, be greedy, then you've got a bad system. Like there might be one in a hundred yeah. who is who is yeah. that noble, but but most of us won't be, you know. And so you don't have to like him. Like you know, I'm no I'm no fan of him, but but it's sort of like well. <laughs> blame blame the people who made the decision. He made he made the operational decisions, but the cho- the decision to pay him the bonus. The people who signed off on his strategic vision and plan are the board. They are the representatives of the shareholders. They're the ones to blame. And they and this is brilliant, right? Because. No one knows, you know, it, it's it's the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, right? So let's get all angry at the big face on the screen and not the the diminutive man behind the curtain. They, 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 they are the ones that need to be held to account in my simple take on it. I mean, I'm not even sure accountable for what. Let me be, I'm not going to defend Cornus or Alan Joyce, but I am going to say, and I said this during the week, um, the, I keep saying that, my apologies, they just, if people are already watching Twitter, they'll, they'll know, know my view on this stuff. Um, Joyce made two and a half billion dollars for the airline last year. I mean, speaking of speaking of capitalism, speaking of you know, sorry you made some money. I'm not entirely sure what people think Alan Joyce's problem is, or, or what was wrong with what he did. Now, in time, it may well be the case he's underinvested in re- the replacement of planes. The, the fleet is getting old, and we might back in the, look back in five years say yes, obviously he made a mistake. He customer service is, is crap. Yes, yes it is. Bags getting lost. Yes, yes they are. And yet Qantas is still making. Two and a half billion dollars a year. Now, if you're in charge of making people feel good about Qantas, you're doing a bad job. If you're in charge of, don't worry about the profit, Alan, just make sure that we have people singing, I still call Australia home in the streets, then yes, he's failed. If his job is to make as much money for shareholders as he can, with an appropriate, and I'm not saying what the answer to that is yet, appropriate allocation of resources or not, the appropriate staffing or not, the appropriate plane age and safety or not, again, I'm not saying he's done the right thing. It's very, very possible, maybe even likely, that in five years' time, Vanessa Hogan says, I had to spend $14 billion replacing the fleet because Alan didn't do it. So I'm not saying it's not the case. I'm just saying, for all the things we think Alan Joyce is guilty of, he might just be guilty of actually making a lot of money for the airline and actually reducing what was over-engineered, over-resourced uh, areas of the, the airline didn't need to be because... Where else are you going to go? You go to Qantas, you go to Virgin. Uh, if they're both offering the same level of service and same pricing and same flights, why would you over-index in it? Just what? Just to feel good? Just to make you know customers feel better? Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm still not entirely sure. At least on the evidence we have in front of us, not not the potential outcomes. On the evidence we have right now, explaining why Alan just has done such a terrible job, I can't give you the answer. I genuinely mm. can't give you. He got some money out of the government for nothing. Which, as a as a taxpayer and as a policy nerd, I'm roping. Oh, about. chef, 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 kiss though, right? Right. Like, so you what, know, what like exactly we're the idiots, we're the patsies. Like right? bloody scomo, just giving him free money. Uh-huh. Like, okay, terrible. But from yep. from in terms of like the ability to negotiate, that is like, huh, <laughs> like, yep, <laughs> like good on you. Or I mean, I, I think it's sickening, but like, well, yes, totally. That well, was that, your that's job, what I'm right? What, what, what exactly on yeah. behalf of Qantas, as as the person whose job it is to run mm-hmm. the airline? Tell me exactly what he's done wrong. Not what he might have done wrong, not what you're annoyed about as a consumer. But on behalf of the airline, what has Joyce done wrong? I'm not, I'm not here to defend him at all. I, you know, I, I, I hate that they took the money. It may well be that in hindsight, we, I think it was Mark McGinnis at David Jones that underinvested in IT and customer service, and you see I had to come and fix it. And that may be the, be the same at Qantas. But right now, I, I don't find anyone to say Joyce deserves to be sacked because he did this, that hurt the airline. Is, is the yeah. brand worth less? Yes. Okay but the company's making more money. So which one do you want? 
I, I find it really difficult. I, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you. Yes, I think. I think you're right on that. Um, I'll give some context though. I, the the over his tenure, I haven't verified this mm-hmm. number myself. I assume it's true as as reported in supposedly reputable um, mm-hmm. media publications. That if you add up all the profit and loss over his tenure, he's actually lost money overall. Um, yep. That may be more a reflection of how diabolically tough the <laughs> airline industry is. Uh, as Buffett famously sort of mm-hmm. remarks, it's just like you know, it's, it, it is it is a god awful business. Yes, um, correct. Uh, so he actually he has like yes, in any given period there may be big sums of money that get thrown around, but over yep. on balance actually didn't. The other thing I think you've touched on you touched on this really well, and I suspect this is true. I Put me in charge, I'll make you a squillion dollars in the next yeah. couple few years because yeah. I'm just not going to buy any new planes. <laughs> right, I'm exactly, not yes. Yeah. You know, I think a while ago they took the decision to write down the carrying value of a bunch of assets early. So there's an account, not, right. not anything illegal, but they took a accounting decision to write down a bunch of assets all in one fell swoop. So that is mm-hmm. god-awful year whenever it was, I want to say seven, eight years ago. So we just get rid of your depreciation charges. So that boosts profit mm. as well. So I I need to have, dig into this, but I would suspect if you look at Qantas through a free cash flow lens, mm. it's not nearly as good as as people make out. And I and and then I would say even even that it's probably probably has been juiced by underinvestment mm. and. Others have, others have made others who follow the aviation industry much more closely yep. have yep. made that point. So the Paul Patsy who comes in yep. and, and runs yep. it, he goes, oh, yeah, oh, I've, 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 yeah. I have yeah. to buy all these extra plans. Okay, right. Okay. Oh, we didn't do this. Okay, well, I'm going to have to spend. People, I, I've said before, and I'm really sort of it's become a religious principle for me at this point in time. Oh, like the key the key job of of the <laughs> of the chief executive yep. is capital allocation. Mm-hmm. And 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 yes. the really good ones make long-term capital allocation decisions. 100%. By the way, it's really good edges to be had as an investor there. When you see some companies who have made a lot of big investment, their profits suck for a couple of years while they do that. Mm. But what people fail to miss is they've now built a foundation uh, platform for future growth that that would not have been possible without those investments. And then Correct. it's like, oh, look at all the money that they've made. Well, yeah, well, that, that's that's because of the dis- tough decisions that they made early on. And anyone who's listening to this who runs a small business is going, yeah, what this, this is no great <laughs> epiphany, right. Andrew. That's what we do. Yeah, that's right. You know, right. I, I'm, I'm flipping burgers here, but like yeah, this stove yeah. didn't come from nowhere. Like this yeah. shop didn't just appear out of the ground. I spent all my money up front. Now I get to make make the cash mm-hmm. and I can defer on all kinds of different investments that, that I want to. And, and this year, will be fantastic you know let's get in there and let's fire all the baggage handlers let's get in there and let's not replace any of the planes let's get in there and let's do, right. you know a, a million types of thing and i'm going to make a i'm going to do incredibly well this year is that a good outcome for shareholders in the business no yep. let alone passengers <laughs> right um so that we'll have to wait and see Correct. but i reckon if we, when everything's tallied up maybe give it another five years or so we look back i I don't. I don't want to definitively say this is the case, hmm. but I. I am open to that as a possibility. That when we look at it through that lens, it's like, actually, he wasn't. He wasn't the rainmaker that everyone assumed. He just. He just was. He was short term focused. And I think that's entirely possible. That was the point I was trying to make. We can't know now how well or badly he's done. But that's almost my point. Is yes, if the board yeah. was going to fire him yeah. for not keeping the fleet, you know, current, they should have been doing that two years, three years, one year, eighteen months, six months ago. 
The yeah. fact that he's gone now is all because people are whinging about the customer service and the fact that you know they cancelled some flights. And again, I'm not I'm not defending doing that. I'm absolutely not. What I'm saying is his job is to maximise the value for the shareholders of the company. And frankly, if you've got a two airline duopoly and you're over investing in air quotes service with no incremental upside, it's only natural to say, well, hang on, we're wasting money here. If I can get the same yeah. number of people to fly with half the number of customer service staff, why the hell wouldn't I? Now, yeah. if it if it causes long term damage, it's a problem. But for right now. I think we all, you know, I, I want to love Qantas. I want it to be a brand I'm proud of. We all have this really weird natural affinity with airlines for some reason. We, I think it probably harks back to the golden days of aviation. We kind of inherited from our parents the, the, the thing about airlines stupid, are cool. Frankly. And, yeah. you know, and, and we feel like, I, I remember flying for the first half a dozen times, like, oh man, this is amazing. Now I get on a plane, it's like, oh God, I've got to get another bloody plane. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, it's just because it's just it is, right? So that's, I, get the, I get the vibe. I get the feeling of people want it to be a certain way. Mm. And if you want that, then argue for renationalization of Qantas and run it as a national trophy. Mm-hmm. Run as a trophy asset for nothing. If that's what you want, if you want to be, don't, really don't want that. This- don't don't advocate for that though, please. For, <laughs> as a taxpayer, please don't. Right, advocate but for that's that. but that's yeah. my point. Is like it, 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 that's not how this thing works. Um, mate, let me let me finish with uh, with one question for you. The old line: "To lose one parent is unfortunate. To lose two is just careless." Comes from the important importance of being earnest. Uh, to lose one executive is is unfortunate. To lose, I think, at last count, five executives over the space of a couple of weeks, a few weeks, that is, uh, well, that's starting to look careless. And that's what's happening with Fortescue. Now, listeners will know I'm a shareholder. Uh, I don't have a particularly, well, I don't have any inside information or view on it. But what, I mean, when someone leaves someone leaves Fortescue, you think, oh, two go, you think, uh, three, four, what point do you start thinking, man, this thing's rotten or something's badly wrong? Or how would you as a, as an investor, look at a business like that and go, nah, here's what to make of Fortescue's current travails. Oh, it's not, it's not a good look, right? Like this- I'm going to be clear on that. It, you know, it, it's, <laughs> yep, it's yep. they're all always going, I remember it was actually David Gardner, Motley Fool founder. Mm. We were having dinner with him way back in the day. Someone, one of our team members sort of said, oh, what do you think about, you know, politics, you know, workplace politics? And he basically said, it always stuck with me. He said, um, as soon as you've got two people, you've got politics. That's mm. <laughs> like, so true, right? Yeah. I think we sort of, and and there will always be tensions mm. between mm. people, and that's fine. And anyone who's, you know, I'm sure everyone listening, you've ever worked in a workplace of any description, there's politics. You know, someone doesn't like Cheryl from accounts, and and Bob from the <laughs> warehouse is a bugger. You know, don't no one yeah. likes him, yeah. and yeah. and then you know, and he parked in my spot. And there's just always these these kinds mm. of things. Mm. So you're always going to get. That's why I actually feel. Investors put too much emphasis on this glass door nonsense. You know, it's like, oh, I got some great insight because I found here that people are unhappy. And uh, guess, guess what? Only the disgruntled people are posting on glass door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, but I'm going off. I'm, I'm already skewing off here. But <laughs> I, I think when you have, you know, one one is unfortunate, two is a coincidence, <laughs> three is sort of like, there yep, seems yep, to be yep. something. It's either. There's, there's, there's two interpretations and neither is favorable. One is you're terrible at hiring, right? You're just really bad at hiring people yeah, yeah, that are the right cultural fit. Yeah. Or two, the culture itself is just broken. And um, that's, that's, uh, it, it, is a, it is a problem because businesses are just a, a collective of human beings. I'll go with hairless apes again, um, who... Who need to get along and cooperate, and these, these structures that we call companies are just a, a formalization yeah. of yeah. a structure for us to all cooperate in, in mm-hmm. an economically, hopefully, product, productive kind of capacity, mm. and and that's why I never used to. I always 
just completely used to dismiss any time an executive would talk about culture. And I actually think the, as I've gotten older, I've actually think it's more and more and more important. So I said before that a, a leader's job, a CEO's job is, is capital allocation. Um, the second biggest part of it is probably culture. I think I think you drive the culture, you drive the big capital allocation decisions, all the operational stuff. You sort of the, the generals and the that need to sort of do that un, underneath you. I don't know my military rank, so maybe generals is not the right <laughs> the right one. But do you know what I mean? It, it's it. I all I'm saying is I don't I don't I'm not close enough to it to have a firm view on it. But yep. from yep. what you describe, doesn't sound great. It doesn't. Um, I'm. I'll make some. I'll make some comments, and you can add some thoughts. I would be really, really worried about it if it was any company other than a half a dozen that I can think of, where the person who runs the business is the one who's the major shareholder and the brains and the vision and the energy behind the company. And that's that's the one. If Qantas loses five C, five executives, I'm like, well, you know, if it's uh, Woolies, I'm starting to get worried. If it's you know, pick pick your company. Um, the I don't think it's any surprise that Jerry Harvey runs Harvey Norman his way. Hmm. I don't think it's any surprise that Twiggy runs Fortescue his way, just as Steve Jobs ran Apple and Elon Musk runs Tesla and Twitter and whatever else he's doing these days. And I say that because I think it's important from a from an investor's perspective to understand the business that you're buying, right? And, and why you're buying it. If you bought, if you now if you bought shares in Fortescue, or I, I, I mean, I own shares, so I, I might as well keep talking about. It. If you bought shares in Fortescue because you liked the fact they had five great executives who were going to steer this ship and, and build long-term wealth, despite Twiggy's volatility and, and rationality, then yeah, you've, you bet, you really better share, save your shares. If you bought shares because you think Twiggy seems to have his finger on the pulse and he's going to use his energy and talents and effort and frankly money to build more value over time and hire people who he believes can help him do that, then if these five people aren't the right people, then that's cool. Now, yeah. again, maybe he's wrong and, and it, it absolutely increases the risk, right? I think whenever you see people leave, it's obviously there are so many, there's such fundamental disagreement that the stakes are higher than they were. Because obviously he's saying, I want this and they're saying, we don't agree with that and they're out of there. Now, if those five people are all wrong and Twiggy's right, then you're fine. If half of them are right and half of them are wrong, then we've got a problem. And if they're all right and Twiggy's wrong, then we're heading into a, you know, <laughs> we're 100 k now towards a brick wall. So you absolutely should be mindful of that. It, I think it absolutely raises the risk whichever way you look at it. Um, but it, it's, it's a, you know, the, the question is what, what was your investment thesis and why were you investing in the company? And does... The person, you know, if if, two, if Buffett's two investment lieutenants leave him, I'm going to sleep perfectly well at night, you know, because Buffett's Buffett, right? Now, I'd rather they didn't. And it would again suggest some sort of unrest or some sort of difference in opinion. And you go, well, that's a bit uncomfortable, but okay, this is what it is. Um, same with same with Jerry Harvey for all for all of his faults. He's been the, the, the driving behind, she hasn't Harvey Norman too in Berkshire. Um, he's been the driving force behind Harvey Norman for 50 years. Now, for all of his irascibility and, you know, shoot from the hip and all that kind of, for all of that, for all of that. He's built a spectacularly successful business and maybe he's lost his mojo, which is again, fine, you can decide that. But if you lose a couple of CEOs, like, ah, oh, Jerry's obviously had to stand up blue with these people and they've they've displeased him and they're out of there. It's like, okay, I, sure, I, you know. Is it great? No. Uh, am I, am I, do I own it because of those two people? Because of Jerry? Well, kind of, kind of Jerry, okay, well, and that's, there's your decision. And, and so on mm. and so on. I shouldn't, by the way, underestimate the value of other people working for any of those businesses. I just want to make the point that 
it, to me, it does come down to what were you expecting? Why do you own it? You went, how, many, how many people has, has Musk lost at Tesla? I think about <laughs> everybody about four times over, right? He goes through, yeah. he went through PR teams about one a month till he finally just dismantled the whole department because he got jack of it. Um, you know, and, and that's and that's cool. I mean, I, I'm not a I'm not a Musk fan, right? But if you own Tesla, you you've got to own it because you believe in Musk. You can't own it because you think. Tesla was great without Musk or despite Musk. I think that's a really, really gutsy call. It's a, it's a jockey play, as they, as they say. Yeah, the makes sense. And in other words, you're betting on the jockey, not the horse. You, you believe yep. the jockey is capable of getting the best out of the horse. So you don't have to worry too much about the horse. You're saying, you know, it's all about the person on, on the back. And that's, that's perfectly reasonable if you do it deliberately, if you do it consciously, and if you know what you're expecting. Mm. It's, it's a mistake to buy a horse, uh, you know, not realizing the jockey matters. And it's a mistake to back the jockey when the jockey can't do much to help the horse. You know, if, if it's a if it's a broken down nag, I don't know any jockey side. So my metaphor is going to fall over very quickly here. You put the best jockey in the world, not going to do anything, right? Equally, yeah. you could put me on on far lap, and it probably still go close to winning. Maybe yeah. not. I'm, I'm a bit heavier than the average jockey, so maybe not. But you know, there is there's limitations and there's and there's whatevers. But generally speaking, exactly know what you own and why you own it, as you've said many a time. Yep. This is this is one of those really clear ones. And make sure that by the way, why you own it is accurate. <laughs> if I own Harvey Norman because I really really like the franchisee at my local Harvey Norman, probably the wrong reason. If yep. I if I I think so my, my I'll tell you what straight out my my investment in Fortescue is absolutely uh, largely Twiggy based. There's there's a very good cash flow from iron ore. Twiggy's trying to do some smart things, and I'm happy to say, I thought at the time, I said at the time, the iron ore price was cheap. Uh, Fortescue Future Industries for me is a free bet. Now, it might be less than free because it might cost money. In other words, uh, you know, it, there's no upside. There's actually potentially downside. But I, I bought it for exactly that reason. So am I unhappy that pe- people have left? No. Am I slightly disquieted? Yeah, because I, I don't love the fact that whatever's going on there is so serious that a whole lot of people said, this is no longer the place for me to work. So I'm not happy about that. But because I'm betting on Twiggy, that's why I'm still there. But I don't blame anyone who says... Actually, I thought it was just about the iron ore business and these people are great, great executives and they're leaving and I'm not sure who is the right person to run this thing. Then absolutely should sell your shares and, and go and do something else. Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know nothing to add other than I think uh, the, the you as an investor, I used to be very, I know you were too. I think everyone is when they started. We're very numbers focused, yeah. very ratio focused, very yes. spreadsheet oh, focused. So so it's true. all good stuff, right? Yeah. But it's just- And it helps to actually learn, but it's not your goal. Yeah, look, it, it, it does. I mean, I mean, I've still got a place for it, but it, mm-hmm. it is really, like if I was if I was on Shark Tank, <laughs> you know, it's really looking at the person in front of me and saying, uh-huh. do I believe in yep. you? Yep. Because I will, I will back, you know, I, I would rather someone who I feel has the, the drive, the intelligence, the capability, and not a great idea over someone with yes, a brilliant idea right. who's dumb, lazy, and you know, yes, exactly corrupt, right, and, and corrupt. Yes, you know, it's yes, every yes. day of the week, every yes. day of the week. Yep. And there is something to be look. This is just a heuristic, right? It's a mm-hmm. rule of thumb. Yep. But when you see someone, a long-serving CEO with lots of skin in the game, not because they got lots of free options, it's that they bought it themselves, <laughs> right. you know, yep. uh, and, and um, uh, have a, a significant part of their wealth tied up in it, who mm-hmm. continually make long-term capital allocation decisions. That's not a guarantee for anything, but geez, it's a good sign. You know, I'll take, I'll take that over almost anything else a lot of the time. And yeah. um, there's, there's not enough examples. And the ones that are examples out there at the moment, I, I don't own nearly enough of them purely because I'm too dumb on valuation. <laughs> I think, mm, it's a bit expensive, yeah, which is, yeah. you know, I, sometimes, I just got, now that I say that out loud, I really need to slap myself a few times and just like <laughs> get over it and, and listen to your own advice. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, is, it, it is everything. It is everything. On that... 
I think we're done. This is, this is everything. This is the end of our podcast for this Friday afternoon. Thank you for spending some time with us. As always, if you have any questions or comments, any feedback or suggestions for the pod machine, that's what it's called, Andrew. That's what the kids like. Uh, then you can you can hit us up. Uh, info, I-N-F-O at fool.com.au. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Andrew is at sage underscore Simeon or at strawman invest. You get me on Twitter or Insta or threads at TMF Scott P or The Motley Fool at The Motley Fool AU and hit me up on Facebook uh, facebook.com forward slash Scott Phillips money one more reminder I've been impersonated by two separate accounts on Twitter this week um, please be very 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 careful use the handle don't just search the name and grab something that looks like it because there's plenty <laughs> if, out there if Scott is trying to induce you into buying an <laughs> NFT or a crypto <laughs> red flag is all I'm going to say red flag I'm probably yeah. not going to send you a private message out of the blue either just quietly so if you get someone yeah. they, they normally say they, they follow you then you follow them say hi how are you going and you think I love you all I do care how you're all going I'm not going to follow you out of the blue and I'm not going to DM you out of the blue with a hi how are you going here's an offer for you so if you get that why why won't you share your latest investing secret with me that's that's just selfish just send me some bitcoin I'll send you some back I promise (laughs) anyway until Sunday morning full on cheers The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.